unpause. Hi everybody, this is August the 9th, 2016. This is Shabri Bird, Quantum Agriculture, and I'm here with Glenn and Lee Perry of Samadhi Tanks, and we're in Northern California, Grass Valley, and they just invited us for a workshop here in the Nevada City, Grass Valley area, which is fabulous, and now we're on their homestead visiting and Hugh's actually in the Samadhi tank. Go Hugh. So this is Lee and this is Glenn. So tell us how you how you do what you do and why you did Samadhi tanks and why you're here in Grass Valley. Hi. Both talk. Hi. Hi. Good. Uh, I, I was a systems, in 1972 I was a systems computer programmer and Somebody gave me a book by John Lilly called Center of the Cyclone. And for me, if it was, if I could touch it, it was real. Otherwise, it wasn't. And John opened my eyes to other things being real because he did it from a Western scientific point of view. And a few weeks later, I saw a five-day workshop that he uh, was giving and I immediately signed up and there were eight of us just enough people so that each of us could use a makeshift tank uh, every day. Now, let's explain what kind of tank. We have people in Australia that don't even know what... Well at that time it was uh, fresh water 20 inches tall uh, the, uh, the water was 20 inches tall and it was totally <laughs> Deep, yes, thank you. <laughs> Tall water, they don't have it in Australia. <laughs> uh, and it was totally enclosed so that you didn't have any distractions of noise and light. And you would uh, be in the solution face up and you would hold your breath. You would inhale and hold your breath and then when you wanted to breathe, you'd exhale and inhale quickly so that you wouldn't fall below the surface. And you had your knees bent so that your uh, feet were on the, on the floor. Well, at the time, I was pitifully shy. Pitifully shy. And when John... After I used the tank the first time, he asked me to share my experience. And I was comfortable talking to this group of people. And I thought, if something could make me comfortable talking to people, it must be really incredible. And I decided right then, nobody was making them on the planet, and I decided I had to have my own. By the end of the week, I was so impressed by the thing and noticed that other people liked it that I thought, gee, if I'm making one for myself with a little more energy, I can make them for other people. I had no idea that I was totally mistaken. Uh, <laughs> it's a totally different ball game trying to make it make them for other people. But uh, I was naive and I mentioned it to John. What age were you? I was 33 and John thought it was a great idea and he gave me the name of the company 
Samadhi Tank Company. And oh, he named your company, yes. Samadhi Tank? Yep. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. And because he said he thought that that state was possible to achieve floating. The yep. state of Samadhi. Sam the state right. of Samadhi. No guarantees, of course, but... <laughs> I'm yeah. looking forward for Hugh coming out into Samadhi. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, uh, I was still uh, programming. Go ahead, keep talking. <laughs> and I did that for two years, and then I met Lee, who I met, I fell madly in love with. And one to be together 24 hours a day. And we decided to do the business full time. And you want to tell, say how you got started? Well, I, um, I was approached by a psychologist, uh, Vance Norum was his name. And he was going for his master's thesis in psychology by investigating something called an isolation tank. And I had um, been in a workshop where he was uh, doing some Reichian therapy, and he asked me whether I would like to um, be a subject in his study for his uh, master's thesis. And I was interested because at that, at that moment, I was teaching special education in the ghetto in Los Angeles. And this was 9 to 13-year-olds, and the kids were mainly black and Chicano. And uh, it was close to the, uh, the poorest ghetto in downtown LA, and the kids were busting every day. And what I found walking into the classroom was such an, an amount of chaos. The kids, we were, it was an old Victorian house that was turned into a schoolhouse, and our classroom was on the first floor. It had big high ceilings and those long skinny windows uh, with um, designs in them. And these kids were, all they wanted to do was to get into fights and throw each other out the window. It was a very unpleasant scene in the classroom. It was not, you know, I mean, I didn't have a lot of expectations that the kids are going to be jumping up and down wanting to learn things, but I was not expecting the amount of violence that had to be dealt with in the classroom because you, you really, you can't go anywhere as a group when there's no agreement that anybody's going to stay in the room and, and just be there and make believe that we're in the classroom. So I started, I started reading every book I could find that had the main teacher or learning uh, in it. And um, I came to the conclusion, after looking at all of them, that maybe the best thing that I possibly could do was to learn how I learn. And if I could examine the learning process, if I could find out how we think people learn, then maybe I could see how I learn and transmit, transmit this 
to the kids in the room that came every day, hey, you know, I learned how to talk to people uh, one day when I happened to be in the zoo and, you know, this is what I heard and this is what I started thinking and so on. So that was why when he told me, he, Vance Norm, told me that this was an isolation tank, I had an inkling that I might be able to learn something about the learning process. And so I said that I would be a subject in his study. And um, in, in fact, I think that was true, that I did learn something about it. What I learned had to do with uh, fear and that when you come to learning with fear about it, fear that you can't learn or something like that, uh, then the learning process is definitely shortened or even eliminated. So I found out about that while floating in the tank the first time, and I thought that was a pretty valuable lesson. So then after that, um, I think it's your part of the story, what happened next, if we're, yeah. although we've completed saying, did you ever say what happened to you the first time that you floated? Did you just... Oh, I, I came out and the world was a scintillating, shimmering, shiny vibration system. It's, it's like it was... I was in a different universe. It was totally different than I had ever seen it before. And time seemed to be very different. And I was in a state of peace and calmness and well-being that I hadn't experienced before. So it was pretty incredible. And for years, you and I have talked about how did, what, what, what is that experience that that we get to when we when we float and it took us many many years but what we came up with was that most of the time in our lives we spend it in our head thinking in our mind thinking things worrying about the past uh, worrying about the future, thinking about projects, thinking about relationships, and... What are we missing? <laughs> and it's, it's all this mental chatter. And in the tank, if you use it long enough or often enough, that mental chatter kind of subsides. And we move more into present time where we are, are just being here. And that's where all creativity comes from. And that's, we can't learn unless we're there. If we're worried about something or thinking about something, we can't learn anything. But once our mental chatter subsides, we can actually be here, present, in a more functioning way. And the, the, now we don't keep our feet on the floor and have 20 inches of solution. We 
have 10 inches of water uh, and we put uh, so much Epsom salt in it that it makes it 25% heavier than fresh water. So it pushes you to the surface so you can float without touching the bottom in just 10 inches of water. You feel weightless like an astronaut floating in space. Uh, like our pork bobbing up and down. We, we use the tank. I know it may be an unusual word to you, but because John Lilly, um, maybe it was because his first experiments were using a tank that was in a laboratory, a, uh, what were the dimensions, eight foot deep and eight foot eight, around? Eight by eight by eight. Eight by eight by eight. And so he called it an isolation tank. And we've just kept the word tank in the description. Uh, now we're calling it a flotation tank. And it has developed some other names recently. But the experience should match this, uh, what you were describing, Glenn. As long as there's enough repetition, as long as you can keep going, um, going back to it if you want, although the people who are writing these days are saying that they're becoming quite addicted to floating, that it's become a very satisfying activity for them. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, well, the level of repetition could be, I happen to think it's the level of repetition should be as often as you can get there. <laughs> <laughs> so, for farmers out there, because you know we're going to all over farmers, what could the samadhi tank do for a farmer? Well, you know that's an interesting question because up here in the foothills of the Sierra, there are more and more uh, farmers. There are 13 new farms that have shown up in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area in the past three years. Oh, and there. And Tumlin Creek's one of them, isn't it? That's right. right. Tumlin Creek is one of them. And some of them are doing a lot of work in the schools so that kids are growing their own gardens in the schools. Some of the teachers are coming into the classroom and teaching them how to cook the things that they harvested. And it's just exciting because in this country, uh, in the United States, it's been discovered. Kids don't know where the food comes from. That's, we met, this is such a beautiful thing, because we met when we were up at Sierra Hot Springs coming off the airplane, and I met a young man who, his job for the Santa Barbara school system is he educates every single classroom from K to 6 in how to grow food and setting up gardens in all the school systems. Wow. And, you know, most of them are ethnic poor, very poor. You wouldn't think Santa Barbara had such a poor population, but it does. And so that's what they're doing is they're showing kids how, I mean, in a Waldorf, you know, a Waldorf school, Steiner Bay school, it's required to have a garden on yeah. every school campus. And, and I mean, I know right from the nursery school up, they learn about plant growing and the elemental spirits of plant growing. Yes. And that's something that won't be taught in the public school system. Right. But certainly, if you're interested, you'll get there. That's right. And you'll start a connection with the natural world that you don't get if you 
I mean, the, the lunches that were served in the schools have no, had no connection with the natural world. Mm. You know, they were things like pizza or, uh, you know, things that had very little, not only natural value, but also um, value for the digestive system. So, you know who, um, what is his name from England? Jamie Oliver. I know that name. Jamie Oliver is a chef that became known as the Naked Chef in England. And he has gone all over the world because he did it in the U.S. in West Virginia and now in Dallas school system. And they go in and they actually turn the school system over on food. Uh-oh. Keep going. So here's Glenn and, and, and Lee Perry well, talking about well, the samadhi tank for farmers. And when the um, 13 new um, uh, farms opened here, Suddenly, there were farmers around town that were not, you know, very old or, you know, the usual age, which was probably in the 50s that most farmers were. But these were, you know, 20 and 30 and 40-year-olds who were working the farms. And I decided to go on a campaign to introduce, you know, end of the day, in this hot weather, some of these new farmers looked pretty, pretty tired. And so I started a little campaign, Farmers Float Free. And, yes. Yeah, and so we gave them free floats. Now, explain, you did explain what floating means for the... Yes. Yes, good. Yeah, so um, what it does for a sore body, you know, especially when you're new, you're first coming onto the farm, and... Or springtime when or you've been spring, sedentary, right. I know. That's right. So your body has to get back into the swing of what it's like to stay bent over, kneeling, digging, all these other things, and soaking for an hour in Epsom salts is just about as good as it gets, <laughs> aside from everything else that happens. But just for the aches and pains of the newly seasoned body, it's great stuff. Ah, so <laughs> how are the farmers doing? Well, they're doing great now. I, mean, I didn't keep the program going. Because, you know, that's a lot in this company. I mean, I just wanted to get the word out that this was a tool. But many of them still come back during season and come here and float because we have a tank that we make available to people. How much does it cost to go to a center to float, for instance? Um, Our center is $35 for a session, which is an hour. That's cheap. We're very cheap. Yeah, I mean, you give towels and and water, shower even, you know. But that's because our programming, what we believe, is that floating has to spread throughout the world. So our way of doing it is keeping the price down so that everybody can afford it. Now, and then it, when you, since you've come out, so this is the first time in 40 years you've come out for a tank for homes? Just for homes. Well, yeah. actually, we came out with a precursor to it in the mid-'80s. But at that time, the marketing was not large enough. We didn't have a large enough market that we could have two different tanks at the same price. We had expected this personal tank back then to be half the cost of the other one, but we ended up having to put so much labor into it. Exactly, because we had a field broadcaster that did 1,000 acres and then one that did 5,000 acres, and it was exactly the same labor. Right. Yeah, and so little yeah. less wire. Yes, that's and right. finally we just said, forget it. Six thousand acres or nothing because yeah. it just didn't make any difference. Sure. Yeah, that's what we find. That's, that's exactly it. It's same labor, same materials. Yeah. yeah. 
So what's different about this home tank from just buying one of your regular Samadhi potions? Well, the, uh, the normal tank is a little bit larger around than a twin-sized bed and chest high. But this one is knee-high. Oh, wow. And so so you the idea, <coughs> one of the things that really prodded us to bring it into the market now was what's going on in this country, in the big cities. Mm -hmm. is people are paying, you know, numbers like in San Francisco, a 300 square foot apartment, which is one room, costs $3,500 a month to rent. And so you don't have space for a lot of things. Because of the size of this, it's, you know, the sit like a couch size, uh, and so you can use it as a couch or a bed. Brilliant. In addition to floating, yeah. So that's the deal. And, and the water so, stays in for a month? You well, only change for, it? Forever. You don't have to change it out? No. No, no, because it's filtered. And there's a door at one end, and you open the door and you step through the top, and then you lift up the top, and it becomes, it lifts up to under your armpits, and so it's a full-size tank on that end, but on the other end it's hinged, so it's still low at the other end. I'll have so, to have photos to put up for the podcast. Okay. So That's it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, then when you use it, you, after you use it, you push the top down, step out, and you can use calculator bed again. So it's the width of a, of a, a single bed? Uh, just a, a couple inches less than a Brilliant. double double bed. A yeah. double bed? Yeah. So the new tank is. Yeah. Well, that's pretty wide. Yeah. Yeah. 51 inches. So you can, you've made the frame to where you can actually put a mattress and two people on top and... Yeah. That's a big work. Yeah. And Lucky you got an engineer in the family, hey? Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we do without him. <laughs> And we have somebody who, for our maiden voyage with this tank to the uh, conference in San Francisco, in Portland, Oregon, next this month in August, we'll we be have, there. You know, we can come. We're coming. We're flying out of Portland. When? On the twenty-second. You may be able to see it. I would love it. Yeah, because y'all, that may be possible because there's this woman who's a seamstress of an artist's nature who is putting together a quilt that somebody could uh, decorate their, their lily pond with that is beyond beautiful belief. It is and now, are you calling this the lily pond? Lily yeah. pond. I love it! <laughs> I love it! What a great it's because it's John's 100th I, birthday. I understand. Oh, it's yeah. his 100th birthday. Yeah. Oh, you guys are fantastic. <laughs> I really... Now, how much will it sell for? <coughs> 10799 10, just in a bed in Australia cost about four thousand dollars. Really? Yeah. Well, it's the mattress and the whole deal. Yeah. So do, that, is that with the mattress or people? Uh, get, no, the no. cushions are extra. Okay. Wow. And that lasts you. From what you were saying, the difference between your product and others is the quality that will last fifty years. We, it's we hard to buy a bed for fifty years in this country. Yeah, we expect this to last at least fifty years. Yeah. It doesn't matter the weight of the people. You guys can, no, you know, no, 400 no. pound man can. Oh, yes. I've never put in a 400 pound man, but I've never met one either. <laughs> 300, yes. <Yeah. laughs> wow, that is so great. 
So you could literally come out, get out of the tank, and just go straight to sleep. Now I'm going to get yeah. your mattress back on and all that stuff. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You could do just that. Or you could spend the whole night sleeping in your tank if you want. Oh, my gosh. Right. I have done that. I had some surgery, and I had to stay on my knee. And I, off, I mean off your knee or on your knee? Well, in my knee. Okay. Yeah. I had some ligaments that were torn. Yep. And I had six weeks of having to sleep very carefully. And so I slept in my tank at that time. Huh. So that's, you know, very And it's thing. easy to do? You don't feel like you're going to drown or you're supported from the oh, bottom? Oh, you're totally supported. Oh. Right. And, yeah. and so you're not really floating. You're just, you're supported, but you've got water all around you. Well, you're buoyant. You're buoyant. Yeah, you're totally buoyant. The solution is so much heavier than you that it just folds you up. Your face is out of the water. Your ears are under. The top of your chest is out. And in my case, your knees are out. And then the bottom half of your body... And you is, stay warm enough. You keep, yes. You're neither You're, hot nor cold. It's fabulous. Yeah. Because the solution is the same temperature as your skin. That's the temperature of the, of the solution itself. Hmm. And why did Lily invent this originally? Why did he... At that time, there was a question in the scientific world whether the brain went, needed stimulus to keep you awake. And it was probably a half and half thought that if you're in an atmosphere that has no stimulus, the brain will just go to sleep. And so he started using a mock-up of this tank um, in, during lunchtime to see, does his brain go to sleep? It was, he had an apparatus over his head so that he, there was no light or sound. And it was in a, a different form of a tank, the one I mentioned earlier, that was uh, eight foot by eight foot by eight foot. Uh -huh. And uh, he discovered rather quickly that the brain does not go to sleep. The brain delivers its own input. The brain makes up its own uh, life. Because the brain's not located in this body. Right. <laughs> good, good point. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. So now, how did you get into biodynamics? Because they are the ones that read quantum agriculture, biodynamics, and beyond, and invited us over. Well, I uh, had several health issues, and each one of them uh, negatively impacted my health. And the third one, I got organophosphate poisoning, which is... I, that happened about 15 years ago and is what most pesticides were made of at the time. They're nerve toxins to disrupt the nervous system of the bugs. And so I, I, the right side of my body stopped working. I was dragging my right leg. I could hardly sign my name. I couldn't think. I couldn't remember anything. And I'm terrified of Western medicine. And so it took me two years before I found a doctor I could trust, uh, who was actually a uh, doctor who practiced uh, Rudolf Steiner medicine. Anthroposophical medicine, right. yeah. No. And, he and where was he? Sacramento? In or? San Francisco. San Francisco. Uh, Thomas Cowan. Oh, Thomas Cowan. I didn't know. Oh, that. Yeah, okay. So 
uh, he put me on the Weston Price diet and some supplements, and I very slowly started getting better and better. Have you seen YouTubes of you teaching at the Weston Price Conference in Dallas? I know. Yeah, she's very devoted to biodynamics. Yeah. It's Sally Fallon. Right, yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, so, so I, I knew that the, the food that is being raised in this country is very poor, and so I wanted to have healthy food, and I didn't see a way to do that without growing my own. So we started raising birds, and we started uh, vegetable gardening, and we, and uh, then we found out about biodynamics, and it totally changed the things we were experiencing in the garden. Mm. Listen, uh, some friends of ours who have a farm five minutes from here um, were, they had a group of people learning biodynamics that met right in this neighborhood. So Perfect. We, we joined them and started learning everything that we could. And uh, it's very um, copacetic with everything else we do. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So for the last 20 years, I've been reading about uh, growing healthy food. And so when Hugh's second book came out, I immediately found out about it and read it. And I, I'm the kind of person who doesn't believe authority figures. I, I have to find out for myself. And so I've tried all different kinds of ways of growing food. And uh, when I read Quantum Agriculture, it, I said, "This is this is what I want. This is this is what I need." And we started using it, and I immediately noticed a difference. Yeah, and you have your group using the book for their study group now. Right. Yep. How long are you going to take? A year to go through the book? Or? Probably something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do a chapter a month. Wow. But we picked up, at this meeting, we picked up about five more members to the reading group. Great. Yeah. Great. And half the reading group wasn't there, so. That's right. So that's beautiful. Yeah. That's wonderful. And what was wonderful was that compost pile. Oh, that was. Stunning. That was stunning. Adela hopefully is going to send me the videos of that because that was beautiful. And the fact that he went into, because one wouldn't think that boundaries were such an important thing. That's right. And you know, and Hugh says no matter what size farm or garden you have, the first thing you do is use the biodynamic preps around the boundaries right. of your property, around the farm, around the gardening, the growing area, and even on the laneways. Something about setting those boundaries with the preparations that set up the patterns for organization. You know, so, yay. <laughs> and yeah, I took that idea of boundaries as so much even larger than that. About oh, it is larger. And then to see how he kept saying, now make the boundaries straight on the compost. <laughs> right. Because a lot of people just throw them up there and it's all slopped over. And Yeah. But I really got it. Those edges that were being created brought in more energetic patterns. Right. Listen, I'm learning. <laughs> There's no end to this. <laughs> uh, let's hope. <laughs> I'd like to point... Uh, 